going back to Jeremiah 29 today. This is our foundational text where we started. Jeremiah 29, verse number 10. It's, it's a familiar passage of Scripture that many know and many have uh, quoted through the years. And in fact, even during this series, I have seen people post this verse and I have heard other people quote this verse in, in a different context. And, and I want to come back once again, read through this foundational text, and then we will go forward today by jumping into the New Testament for a little while. But Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me. Everybody shout, find me. You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. And let's say amen. amen. You may be seated. These are familiar verses to us, not just because we have been talking about them for the last several weeks, but also because these are verses that many have committed to memory when we think that no matter what is going on in our life, our God has thoughts toward us, thoughts that have to do with peace and not evil. Thoughts that uh, there is unexpected in. And in our lives, things can get so crazy and chaotic and overwhelming that we wonder from time to time, if God even knows where we are, if He has any idea what we're going through, what we're facing, and the fact is, yes, He does know where we are. He knows what we're going through. And as He said to them, 70 years will be accomplished. There is an end date to your struggle. Look at your neighbor and say, there is an end date to your struggle. You may, you may not know that in uh, its entirety, but God does. Before you ever entered into it, God knew when it would end. Amen. And uh, in the moment, we forget. We lose touch with reality and we kind of forget everything going on. But He said, after 70 years, uh, I will visit you. I will come to where you are. And He said, I will perform. It'd be one thing if God just showed up and then couldn't do anything about the situation. But the fact that He shows up, and not only shows up, but He begins to work on my behalf makes it that much greater. Amen. He said, I will perform my good word toward you. And His good word was, He explained, I will cause you to return to this place. Many times, and I think that, that we all would agree, there are places in our life that we would all like to get back to. There are places that, for one reason or another, we have been distant from for so long. And in our mind, we think, 
If I could just get back to that place, if I could get back to that city, if I could get back to those people, if I could get back to that environment, then everything would be so much better. And I wish I could tell you that as the Scripture is directed toward uh, His children at that time, that it plays out the same in our life. But the truth is, it really doesn't. He was talking to them about their homeland. He was talking to them about a geographical location that had to do with their identity. It had to do with their worship. It had to do with all that they were. But to us, it applies in a much different way. Think of it like this. Several years ago, Lisa and the girls and I were in Ohio. I happened to be speaking there. And I said to Lisa, I'd like to take you guys to where uh, I was as a child, where we lived when my father pastored in this area. So I found out the address of the home, and, and I took uh, Lisa and the girls there. And when I, when I drove up, it was so different for me because it had been... Uh, decades since I had been back to that address. Now, what I had in my mind was that Sean Kelleher still lived right across the street there, and Bobby Kellogg lived right down that street, and in my mind, the, 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 the trees were uh, much younger, all the plants and all of the house. The house, it, it was a lot bigger when I was, when I was five. You know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? My dad pastored there from the time that I was four until I was nine. I went to kindergarten all the way through about third grade or so in that place, and my friends lived there. And, and I started having these memories of the first time I ever went to a Catholic church. I went with Sean Kelleher because he was being christened or whatever they do. And, and, and so he's like, hey, you need to go with me. And I remember as a child going and I didn't know when to kneel. I didn't know when to stand. I didn't know what to say. It was, I was like a fish out of water. And, and I wanted it to be the same as it was when I was a child, but it, it really wasn't. Because Sean didn't live there anymore, and Bobby didn't live there anymore, and the trees were much larger, and the house was much smaller, and, and it was just different. So I think sometimes we feel like if geographically we can get somewhere, it'll all be the same. But really what we're after is the feelings that we had at that place. The emotions that we had at that place. The, the experiences that we had at that place. The, the center. When your life comes to center. When you're, when you're kind of on point. That's, that's really what the Scripture is saying for many of us. That life can get you out of sorts. Life can get you off center. Life, life can, for them, take you to Babylon and you're not home. You're not, you, you can't identify. It doesn't feel comfortable. And, and you wonder, will it ever get there again? And God said to us, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. That, that you may be in turmoil and chaos right now, but I have thoughts of peace toward you. And they are they're thoughts that are not evil, but there is an expected end. And when you come after me and you begin to seek me and you search for me with all of your heart, I'm going to turn that for you and I'm going to bring you back and start performing my word in your life. 
I'm going to bring you to the place of center again. I'm going to bring you to the place of identity. I'm going to bring you back to what is meaningful for you. So we've talked about this over and over the last several weeks. And and I want to jump way ahead because here's what happens for those that maybe need for me to catch you up. If you let your head get in the way of your heart, you'll try to figure out how you can get back there on your own. You'll you'll try to navigate and maneuver and fix and connect and take care of and arrange. And He didn't say, listen, get your head on straight and I'll show up and turn. Just start thinking right and everything will be okay. He didn't say that. But that's what the world tells us. And that's what a lot of churches tell us. And that's what a lot of famous and important speakers in the religious world tells us. You just need to think different. You just need to... And that's motivational and it's trying... He didn't say that. He didn't say, get your head on your shoulder, get it straight, and everything will work out. He said, come after me with your whole heart. And, and there's a lot of people that get their head in the way of their heart and everything in their life starts falling apart. When this entire deal is about our heart being connected with Him and making sure that's first and foremost before this ever gets involved. Because if it's all about this, then you're thinking, man, God must hate me. What in the world did I do? How did I end up here? Where did I go wrong? And, and your mind plays tricks on you and you second guess everything and, and, and your world is upside down. With, But we know that when we get back to our heart, our heart has confirmed that God does love us. That God does know where I am. That God can change this situation. And that God will perform His good word toward me. And we've used the example several times about uh, having children and seeing them grow and and they start making decisions and they get involved in relationships and, and when they let you in or when they ask for advice or when you just interject your advice or whatever you do, many times you want to say to them, what in the world are you thinking? If you can really say it and stay a family and not hate everybody, you want to say, I didn't raise you to be stupid. I mean, you're, you're not ignorant. Quit, quit doing this. Well, I don't understand what you're talking about. Have you taken a look at what you're about to get involved in? Well, yeah. Do you understand what you're about to commit your next several decades to? <laughs> Well, that person, listen, and you try to tell them in your, your reasoning, well, you can't tell them anything. Well, I love him. I don't care if you love him. Well, my heart, you don't know how this hurts me. You would rather hurt than end up in a situation like that. I promise you. So here's what happens many times. We, we get this all mixed up. With God, we want our heart to lead us. In life, when it comes to relationships like that, we really need our head to lead us. Because sometimes if we let our heart get involved before our head, 
We'll get in situations that are going to bring to us all kinds of pain and hurt and trouble and stress and we'll live de- all this decades of time because we didn't think about it going in when someone was saying, listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but can I tell you, you, you don't know that person. Well, but I love them and I, I can change them and I believe it's going to be different. Yeah, so did everyone else in their wake. So did the other ten they've already run through. What makes you any different? When it comes to God, you have to somehow reverse all of this stuff and say, I need my heart to connect with Him first because He said, when I search for Him with all of my heart, then I, 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 I will come. I'll visit them. They'll find me. And things will begin to change. So, we know that. We've talked about it. And I want to come today to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. And as we read through this, if you want to mark in your Bible, uh, you're welcome to do that. If, you're, if you don't have an OCD problem with writing in your Bible like some people do. I used to have that problem. I don't have that problem anymore. I kind of scratch around and, and mark. And I'm really glad that my dad... My dad wrote in his Bible because I, now that he's gone, I have one of his old Bibles and I look back through uh, sermons and services from 30 years ago and 40 years ago and I'm like, oh, I remember that, oh, I remember that. So maybe, maybe you write this down or you mark a few things along, but at least follow with me. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 17, and, and, and with what we're talking about, let's read this with an understanding that Paul was... He was writing to the church. He was writing to people who were already in the church. He was writing to people who were Christians. He said, for Christ sent me not to baptize. And please understand that if you read that, if you read that realize, not realizing who he was writing to, then you'll look at it and say, see, baptism, even Paul said you don't have to be baptized. And that's how people take things out of context. He was saying, I don't, he's not saying, I don't think baptism is important. He said, Christ didn't send me to you for baptism alone. He's, he's talking to people that are saved, right? He said, but to preach the gospel. I came to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words. What do you mean? We've got to communicate it where it makes sense and everybody understands and, and you've got to describe it in a certain way and it has to be framed a certain way or no one will ever know anything about God. He said, I didn't come to preach the gospel with the wisdom of words to show you how crafty or, or how knowledgeable I am. He said, least the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. When you try to frame the gospel in a way where everybody gets it and everybody understands it and everybody can accept it. He said, you have made the cross of Jesus Christ of none effect. You don't talk people in to a relationship with God. People experience their way into a relationship with God. That's why there's a lot of churches today that never see true biblical conversion because all they're trying to do is satisfy the intellect of people without ever preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ 
makes no sense to the common mind. But if you can somehow experience His death, His burial, His resurrection from what's happening in here, it doesn't matter what anyone else says or does. It's real for you. So He said, if, if I just tried to come that way, the cross would have none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, he what, please read this and understand, he, he didn't say for those that are trying to get saved or reading this book because they want to be saved. He's writing, and it's evident here, he's writing to people who are already saved. He says, for us who are already saved, which are saved, it is the power of God. When some people say, you don't have to preach Christ, you don't have to preach the cross, just preach good habits and preach good ways of thinking and, and preach good ways of going about life and, and church shouldn't be about that sacrifice and that gruesome thing that happened in our history and, and it shouldn't be that passionate and it shouldn't be that over... Let's just, just have a good thing going on and spend a little time together. He said to them that perish, it's foolish to talk about the cross. But to us, we realize it's the power of God. You cannot preach or say anything more important or powerful or moving in my life than talk to me about the cross of Jesus Christ because it was His sacrifice that made the difference in our lives. He, he, he's, he's building something here and, and if I don't hurry, I'm going to be building for like six years on this message so i got to hurry. He said, for it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You will never know Him just by studying about Him. You will never know Him by just someone instructing, or as they used to say, I'm going to learn you something. Uh, by someone learning you something, you're never going to know God. You can read this cover to cover. You can grab encyclopedias. You can go to the Christian bookstore. You can buy every book on the shelf. You can study. Go to the greatest seminaries in the world and sit in their classes and, and earn your degrees and get the letters after your name and spend years and years and years studying about Him, but you will never know Him. Never know Him, He said. It's never going to happen that way. After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. So sometimes we listen to people that don't even know the God that we know because they have reverend in front of their name or because they have doctrine of divinity, or because they have a plaque on the wall, or because they say, I went to this place and I studied. There are people that through wisdom have tried to come to a knowledge of God and they still don't know Him. 
It doesn't matter to me how many people they have or who follows them or what kind of accolades they receive or success they've arrived at in that world of, of scholastic uh, ascent. It, it, you know what? I'm, I Thank God. Hey, get after it. Wonderful. Study. Learn. Do all those things. I love education. I'm going to pursue it. Continue to do that. But at the end of the day, I cannot put that before my heart and think that I know God. If my heart isn't engaged from day one, none of those other things will ever bring me to an understanding of Him. It's all, everybody shout, it's all about the heart. It said, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Do you realize that there are people that have degrees on the wall that do not know God? And there are people that walk into churches week after week that don't even know what a Bible is and could not tell you one book or one name or one character or one miracle or anything about it. And they walk into a service and someone begins to preach... By the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching. There is a difference. There are some people that that really need to shut down their live feeds on Facebook because it's foolish preaching. It's nothing but a mockery. It's nothing but something to make fun of. They think there's something that they're not. The, The difference is Why would God choose this avenue? To preach. To preach. Why did He choose this avenue? This avenue doesn't make sense when you could go to some school here in town, some college, some university, and sign up for a class and and pay the money and sit under someone that has been studying and you can in a very disciplined Structured way. Have someone start explaining all this to you. Why would God ever choose to do something like this? So for people that look at it that way, this is foolish. This this doesn't make sense. But isn't it amazing that someone can walk in and they do week after week and not know one thing about it, haven't signed up for one class, they, they don't know one, one end from the other in the Bible, and someone began to preach about the love of God and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection. It doesn't have to just happen in a gymnasium or in a cathedral. It happens on a street corner, in an alleyway, or at a coffee shop, or wherever it is. Someone began to preach and share the gospel and the person just say, I believe that. I'm going to put my faith in that. And all of a sudden their life change. And they haven't been to one class. And they haven't completed one semester. And they have no accomplishments there. Isn't that interesting? How God chose by the foolishness of preaching, just to save those that believe. See, if it was the other way around, most of us would be in trouble. And I know days gone by that there were people that filled our churches that that didn't have basic education, much less advanced education. Many people. You know what what was said about His disciples? His disciples? that they were ignorant 
and unlearned. Those were the guys that he picked that turned the world upside down. Those were the ones that caused this to be spread in a way that revival rampantly grew. The Bible tells us that it was in just a short time when a messenger goes that all Asia hears the gospel. That's amazing to me. How he's looking for people who just take it out of the realm of this and get back to what goes on here. I know people that that claim to live for the Lord but can't remember the last time they engaged their heart in a walk with God. They've been been engaging their, their guilt. They've been engaging their rules. They've been engaged their expectations and their guidelines. And I know I should do this. Their heart has nothing to do with it. And so there are many people who are in the church right now that cannot remember the last time they got their heart all mixed up in this. They're just doing it because it's habit. They're doing it because it's routine. They're doing it because it's ritual. They're doing it it's, it's because of what someone expects. They're doing it because that's what we've always done. And that's when are you going to get your heart involved and get out of the rest of that stuff because when your heart is involved, you don't have to worry about Him showing up. He will show up in your greatest struggle. He will show up in your greatest pain. He will show up in your greatest moment of trouble when your heart is engaged there. Amen. So he, he, he writes on, and he said, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them, and I, and I, I can't stay long here, he said, the Jews want a sign. The Greeks... They, they, they are people who are after wisdom. He said, but we, it's almost like he separates himself, and he admittedly said of his own identity, I am a Jew of Jews. I am as well versed and learned and, and, and understand of all of it. That is my heritage. That is my nationality. That is my, that's everything that I am. And he said, the Greeks, you know, Jews, they they want a sign. The Greeks want wisdom. They want someone to tell me all about it and, and, and turn half goat, half man, and they want this, and they want this flying around, and they want all of this stuff. They want wisdom, put all the pieces together. And he said, but we... See, when you come to Him, it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you have arrived at. And He said, and we preach Christ and Him crucified. And He said, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block. They they can't get... They need a sign. They want a sign. And because He didn't overthrow Rome, because He didn't set up an earthly kingdom, because He didn't come like everybody else, it's a stumbling block. But we want a king, and our king ended up crucified, and this doesn't make sense. And so to them, needing a sign, Jesus was the exact opposite of what they were hoping for in their Messiah. And the Greeks, they want 
wisdom. They want somehow for it all to fit together and work out and just line by line be able to put it together and, 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 and then it'll be okay. He said, but we preach Christ and to the Jews it's a stumbling block and to the Greeks they're just like, that's foolish. You mean you can walk in and not know one thing about Him and in, in, in one encounter your whole life and future and eternity can be changed? No, that doesn't make sense. So that's just foolish. Who would, who would ever dream that up? Who would ever think that? And then go look at all the stuff, all of their philosophy, and look at all, all of the beasts, and look at all of the animals, and look at all of the people, and a lot, all of the little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then tell me that makes sense. That someone is holding up this whole thing right now, and he's been in that position for really... Really? This is foolish. He said, but, you know, this is what he chose. So we preach it. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks. So we all have a choice to either let it be a stumbling block, to let it be foolish, to say, well, this is the way I was raised, this is why my family's always looked at it, this is the way it's always been, or say to the Jews, both Jews and Greeks, those that are called from all of those categories, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, but the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When you believe Christ, He is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. You want revelation? You want enlightenment? You want understanding? Pursue Christ with your whole heart. And when you pursue Him that way, you will find everything, everything that you're looking for. And He goes on. This is awesome. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many, not many wise men after the flesh. He's not saying, he's not saying that <laughs> we're all dumb. He's just saying not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. See, because here's what happens. If you study it all out and you put in your time and you get to that 10,000 hours that has been talked about over the last decade to ever get to be a maestro, to ever get to be that expert, to get to that place that it requires 10,000 hours of whatever you're doing and, and, and until you arrive. Whether you've studied this one hour or 10,000 hours. Whether you've been in this one day, one week, or decades, and it's all you, you ever have known, and it's all that you will ever know. Here's what would happen if it was all about gaining knowledge. He knew us well enough to say, we would take credit for everything, and we would start glorying in His presence. And instead of it being something that was an act of the Spirit and the divine presence of God, it would be something that we achieved on our own. 
and we would take the credit. Here, I can't take the credit for this change that's happened in my life. I can't take the credit for the sins that have been washed away. Oh, somebody help me. I, I, I can't take the credit for what happened when I was baptized in His name. I can't take the credit that a name that's above every other name, that at the mention of that name, devils began to tremble. There's coming a day where knees will bow and tongues will confess. There is no greater name. I can't take credit for the fact that that name was applied to my life. It was a work of God. But if it all came through education, if it all came through learning, if it all came through that, then I could say it was something I did. I can't take credit for being filled with His Spirit. I can't take credit for the power that is in me that's greater than the world. I can't take credit for the change that's happened in my life. I can't take credit for that. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. He gets all of the honor. That's why it begins here and not here. He always gets the credit. So He said that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made us made unto us wisdom. So He is our wisdom. He is what we need. He is. When we say, hey, let the Lord lead. He will. The wisdom, the direction, the understanding, everything that you need to get back to the place you've been looking for is in Him. You may get back to Beaver Creek, Ohio, but I couldn't recapture what I had as a child there. I could go to uh, various addresses in my life. I could go back to Cantor Trot. I could go back to Dernis Court. I could go back to... Ponderosa Pines. I could go back to addresses in my past and hope that when I get there, everything will be the same. But the truth is, Lisa and I drove by a house we built, when was that, a month or so ago? We were in North Carolina and we drove by a house that we built and Lisa said, she said, slow down, stop right here, I want to take a picture of it. Well, okay. So we stopped and she's taking pictures of this house we built, I don't know how many years ago. And, and it looks much different. It's really mature and green and grown and all this. And, and she's taking a picture and a lady came out the front door and said, can I ask you what you're doing? Right. It's like, are you serious? Like, who sits at their window all day said, just waiting on somebody to come. I mean, what kind of boring life do you have? I mean, it's, Barry, you understand. It's like a dog, you know. They're just sitting there, wait, somebody, I'm going to bark at somebody when they come by. Like, what, what, what kind of life do you have to be sitting there? And we're there, what, 20 seconds, not even 30 seconds, and she's out her front door. Can I? And we, she said, yes, we built this house. Oh, oh, I just wanted a picture of a home that we built. I don't know, it wasn't 20 years ago, 15, 16, I don't know, years ago. And she was like, oh, okay. But you, <laughs> you wouldn't even have a roof over your head if I hadn't labored out there. Can I tell you? 
That's what I wanted to say. Do you know how this, you know when this bank right here, when it flooded and this was in the front yard, do you know how the railroad ties I put in there? Do you know the, <laughs> we didn't just want a picture of your beautiful home, ma'am. And we both were driving. I was like, babe, I love that front door. And she said, I love that front door too. We were like, that was the best front door we ever put in any house. Like, yes. I like. But you know what? We can't go back there and recapture. Because honestly, I pulled in our neighbor's driveway and tried to talk to the people. It's like, hey, I just want to... And realize all of a sudden it wasn't our neighbor's. We've only been here two years. I can't go back geographically and get those things. But the Scripture is trying to tell us, and please make the transition with me, there are things in your life that you can't go back and get. But in Him you have everything. The Bible said He is the wisdom. He is the centering. He is the strength. He is the foundation. And it doesn't matter where you are if He is there. Everything you were trying to gain. Amen. 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 Roberts are here. That this, 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 those three right there, those three right there, this guy and I, we grew up together. We, we grew up together. We were in the same Sunday school. We were in the same youth group, Kings Enforcers. We were in the same... All junior into the senior ones. We played ball together. We went to church together every day. Our family, this sweet lady right here, her husband was on my father's board. He was a board member on my father's church, at my father's church for years, 20 plus years or more. I don't even know how long. I've known them since I was like 10 years old. Alright? And I'm sure for us, we would love to say, man, if we could just go back and regain or capture what the world of faith was. But her husband's gone. My dad's gone. People that made it what it was. We can't go back. I drove by the church not too long ago when I was in Houston. Doesn't even look the same. Everything that was our identity is gone gone so you know where we find our strength you know where we find our centering you know where we find everything that we need in him. and when you engage him with this it doesn't matter where you are he'll be right there with the strength and the words and the help and the encouragement that we need to go forward Somebody shout, it's in Him. Come on, it's in Him. Let me read these last few verses and then we'll come to a close. So, so I, I, hope that you're, I hope you're getting this. Hope, I hope you get this. But I'm backing up. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness. This, is a whole, this, this could go on and on and on, all right? I could, I could teach weeks on what real righteousness is. I, I could talk to you weeks about what sanctification is. I could talk to you over and over about, as it goes on, 
what redemption is. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. All these things that we're trying to do on our own. He's saying to the church in Corinth, it's in Jesus Christ. If you achieve and accomplish those things, absent of Him, you have missed it. So people who think they're living right, doing right, acting right, thinking right, on their own, they're taking the credit for their own righteousness, sanctification, redemption, wisdom. And Paul's saying, don't do that. It's in Jesus Christ. He's the one that motivates. He's the one that inspires. He's the one that directs. He's the one that encourages. He is the one that causes it all to come about. Here's what happens. If you get to the place where you're doing those things, Without Him, most of the time, you are the type of person that nobody else in the church wants to be around. And the people that are hanging out with you are people that are just like you. Because they're the only ones that can relate to your pride, your arrogance, Your judgmental attitude, your condescending ways. God, I can keep going if you guys need me to. Come on, that's why we preach Christ and Him crucified, because He is the power of God. When we preach Christ, we preach the gospel, we preach what He did. It's the power of God unto salvation. The only way I can stay saved is through the work of the Spirit that I received, that He gave me. I didn't earn it, I didn't achieve it, I didn't deserve it, but He mercifully and graciously gave it to me. And I can't make it now without that man. You guys just want me to keep preaching and I can't stop. Be nice today. That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Don't take any glory for yourself. This is what God has done in my life. This is the work of God and it is marvelous in our sight. I wouldn't be where I am today without the Lord. I'd never get to where He wants me to go without Him. I can't do it without Him. Don't let your head get in the way of your heart. Oh, man, 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 man. And so, i, I got to hurry. And he says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. If you go to a church where everything makes sense, you're probably at the wrong place. What's, what, what's his name? Tony Robbins? If you go to a church and it feels like a Tony Robbins event, you haven't been to church. Well, they're so, they sing gospel songs. Well, it says church, it says love, and it says... You were at nothing more than a motivational event. What kind of conversion? What kind of change? What kind of love? What kind of passion? What kind of commitment? What kind of sacrifice? What kind of depth? What kind of separation? What kind? It's not my word, it's His word. Well, that's just those clothesline preaching. I, 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 I faintly remember a clothesline. No, he's saying to us, it's, there's, there's more 
to all of this. He said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came in demonstration of the Spirit and a power that your faith, here it is, that your faith should, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Lord, help us to be convinced of the life-changing power that's happened to us. Not someone has talked me into it. Someone has trained me into it. Someone has educated me into it. No, I've experienced my way into it. The power of God changed my life. The power of God delivered my life. The power of God healed my body. The power of God saved my soul. The power of God broke the chains of bondage. The power of God loosed me from addiction. The power of God caused my mixed up thinking to come into line. It's in. My, my faith is not in the wisdom of men. My faith is in the power of God. Let's stand together. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Well, I just think it's just so complicated. It's not complicated when you get your heart involved. It's complicated when you're trying to figure it out in your head. The mystery of God, even the hidden wisdom. It's not about God just wants us to walk around with our heads empty. That's not what I'm preaching. And if you're thinking that, you've missed the whole point. The wisdom that we need is not found on a bookshelf somewhere or in a classroom. It's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when truth comes into your life, it begins to change everything, even hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto your glo our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now listen, I close here. The Bible tells us, had they known in that day what I'm preaching to you right now, they would have never crucified Him. You want to know why they took Him to a hill and laid Him on a cross and stripped His life from Him? Because it was all right here. And nothing right here. Because when it's here, killing your answer doesn't make sense. When it's here, taking the life of your healer doesn't make sense. When it's here, you, you, you get what I'm saying. They, the Bible said, had they, they would have never done what they did. What were they doing? They were trying to get this arranged and left this out of the picture. And, they, and here's what we do. When we just try to do this with our head, heart, not, not allowing our heart involved, we end up making some of the gravest mistakes in our relationship with God. Some people remove their heart out of the relationship and start planning it all out here. And sadly enough, they're not in this place today and they're not in any other church today. 
They were going to fix it all themselves, work it all out themselves, get it all arranged themselves, and they let this somehow slip away from them. When this is engaged, when this is first, nothing in this world is more important than keeping this where it's supposed to be because it's, it's when you search after Him with all of this that you'll find Anybody want to step out from where you're standing today and come and stand with me in the altar for a moment?